0: Hello and welcome to the Filmmakers Podcast. This is a podcast where we talk filmmaking. From indie film to studio films and everything in between. How to get them made, how to make them, and how to try not to F it up. In our very, very humble opinion. Today, we're talking about getting access to all areas and how to make a feature film at a music festival. I am Giles Alderson, director of the psychological horror feature film The Dare and the vampire documentary World of Darkness. And producer of horror comedy A Serial Killer's Guide to Life. As always, we are coming at you from Just Voices Studio. It's a brilliant studio, very reasonably priced. If you want a central London studio without the central London prices, this is the place for you. Visit them at justvoicesagency.com. Speak to Simon, speak to Lee, get yourself a discount, get here, record your voiceovers, your ADR, whatever you need. They're brilliant. We've got a new segment. I talked about it last week. This is called the Indie Filmmaker Shoutouts. Uh, we want to support indie filmmakers like ourselves and we want to start shouting out your stuff. So if you've got a screening, you've got a fundraiser, Kickstarter, whatever it is. So if you've got anything to promote, then remember get into my DMs at Charles Alderson or at FilmmakersPod and we will give it some love. So this week's shoutouts go to Phil Bowman and director Jamie Thraves. They're screaming that, screaming. They're screening their film Pickups, which stars Aidan Gillen, on the 23rd of April at Screen on the Green. You can listen to how they made that on episode 12. All the way back in episode 12 or on our website, you can listen to it there or wherever you get to your podcasts. Fizz and Ginger Films, Tory and Matthew butler have their screening of The Isle at the East End Film Festival on the 20th of April. You can listen to how they made that film on episode 29 or 30. Now, some fundraisers. Kyle Hessler has his Preacher 6 movie on Indiegogo. It's builder's Taxi Driver meets Sin City. If you like the sound of that, go support him. Stuart Hanna has made his short film called Holding the Rain. That is on YouTube. You can listen to that and you can listen to it. You can watch that on YouTube. Uh, that deals with mental health. Head there now and watch that. That's an amazing little short film. Um, and Mark Zamet has got his project Homeless Ashes on Indiegogo which would love some more filmmaking funding love which would love some filmmaking I've wrote love twice that doesn't make sense which would love more funding love there's many more I will keep promoting those over the coming weeks thank you very much subscribe to us on iTunes remember getting us rocking up the charts listen to us on SoundCloud PodBeam Tune-in Radio, Stitcher, Powercast 969, Tribulation Saints Radio, Overcast, or the Brit Pod Scene. Yes, we are getting around and yes we are on loads of things you can listen to us and find us on. So, joining us today to talk about filmmaking is Bryn Higgins and Oliver Vesey. Hello, boys. Hello,
1: hello Joss. How you doing? You all right? Very good, thanks. Good, good. It's the first time on a podcast. Is it really? It's your very first excited.
0: time? Yeah. Oh, Cherry.
1: Yeah. I, like uh, I don't know. If I well, like that. We'll go
0: with that. <laughs> um, Bryn is a British film and TV director and producer who has directed Emmy award winning shows, including. The brilliant episode of Black Mirror, which was called The Waldo Moment. If you've not seen that, go see it. It is fantastic. He has made documentaries and high-profile single dramas and series including Garrow's Law, Endeavour and Silent Witness. He was BAFTA nominated for Originality and selected for Input with his Channel 4 thriller series The King of Chaos. His period drama London Hospital for the BBC was twice RTS nominated for Best Drama Series. Brin's feature films include Unconditional, which is a darkly comic transgender romance written by Suki Fisher, and starring Christian Cook and James Bolam, and Electricity, which is fantastic, which stars Agnes Dane, which has won a National Film Award and was distributed by Netflix. Brin's most recent feature, Access All Areas, which we're talking a lot about today, is a kaleidoscopic road movie. Um, it stars some amazing people, which, again, we're going to talk about in a little while. And also joining us is Oliver Vesey. He's a screenwriter and producer who's worked on Beyond the Sea, The Bourne Ultimatum, Stardust, The Golden Compass, Burning Man. And he's known as a producer for The Railway Man, starring Jeremy Irvine, Nicole Kidman and Colin Firth. And producer and screenwriter Whitbrin for the newly released Access All Areas. He's recently won the National Film Award for Best Screenplay for Access All Areas. And together... Uh, they've won the Royal Television Award for Best to Film for Access to All Areas. Welcome to the show. It's a huge welcome to the Filmmakers Podcast, Bryn Higgins and Oliver VC. Thank
2: you. Thank Very you nice again. to be here. Thank you. Yes. Lovely to be
0: here. That was a nice long intro, wasn't it? <laughs> yeah, you yeah. do it well. Thanks, man. You boys have been around a bit. I feel, feel
3: energised.
2: Yeah, that. man. It's good mm. listening well, you back to the credits. Like uh, I yeah, know you've hey, got to keep oh. it
0: up. Filmmakers out there are going, come on then, give me something interesting. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Where do we begin? Practicing. I know. Well, let, that's a perfect way to start. Where do you begin? How did you start at the beginning? Bryn, let's start with you. How was your journey into, you know, BAFTA nominated? Let's go. How did you start? How oh, did I start <laughs>
2: at the beginning of the beginning? Start at the beginning not, of the beginning. Not just beginning. Accessible areas. Yeah, yeah. Uh, I, oh, well, it does go back to practically the Ice Age. But, um, oh, nice. yeah, no, I was at the... Um, Royal College of Art. Yeah. And then did pop promos, worked uh, for Factory Records for a while. Oh, did um, you? Things like that. I did with some friends. And then, Did you uh, make. Did you. Were you making? I produced it? more then. And I produced uh, the 1990 World Cup um, Happy Mondays type thing. And Wow. All those things. So, yes. That's cool. Man, that's going way back, you see. <laughs> <laughs> so, yes. And then uh, working at the BBC, doing documentaries, yeah. um, and working as an independent film makeup basically i'd say i'd call it film making that's one thing for me rather than just a producer or director Mm -hmm. particularly with documentaries it's you do it all in a way and i think it's incredibly important to sort of know all the aspects if you can
0: yeah yeah how did you get into your when you first started directing then obviously you were making documentaries how did that come about what was it It was just like oh you direct this one um
2: really from making the short films Mm -hmm. that i'd done um both at the royal college and after the bbc then offered a Job in those days it was hard very it's even harder now, I suspect, but it was very hard to get a job. They just yeah put me in on a sort of trial period, and I guess I came up with ideas and and made creative documentaries is what I would say they weren't okay. so much observational they were they had a lot of filmmaking in them in a way mm. um, you were testing the waters with your well sort a of bit, creative yeah you're trying yeah. to really I was interested in storytelling and and drama okay. um uh, although. Again learning that discipline of sort of observing researching making something as authentic as you can mm-hmm. gives it that feeling that I think is it's going to be original if it's authentic.
0: Yes, it is. And did you did you start doing TV first or was it directing wise or did you go straight into your feature film?
2: I get all my references tend to come from film. So mm-hmm. funny you mentioned Taxi Driver that mm-hmm. you know as a kid was a film I went to see at the cinema. Kind of sneaked in, and I would say I came out a different person from seeing that film. Mm. And I think it was in a double bill with Assault on Precinct Thirteen or something like that. Okay, just changes your life, yeah, sort of thing. So, so that thing similar
1: experience with Raiders of the Lost Ark, but yeah, not quite as. Well, well. was,
0: it, it, <laughs> it was always that it was, was just amazing wasn't it as a kid watching that it just blew you away right, right. I Jesus. never thought from that though I could be a filmmaker I didn't watch that and go right I can make films it just felt way too out of my league in terms of
3: yeah. I mean, it's uh, funny
2: I, was, I went to a dinner thing you know with, with all the directors at the London Film Festival a couple of years ago or so. Mm. and we got asked to sort of say what we were there for and what was the film that made us most want to do it yeah. and the film that was mentioned by far the most was Star Wars yeah. It was um, amazing, not just like there were some Americans there, but there were guys from Lithuania or you know, all over. Wow. And they were talking about, oh yeah, my dad showed me this film and or whatever it might be yeah. and I was a bit young to see that at the cinema. No, it wasn't this was the thing they were watching VHS or whatever. <laughs> <laughs> he got
1: it on VHS, Sorry, I'm sure. <laughs> yeah.
2: Um and speaking of
0: Robert De Niro, you one of your earlier jobs was working with him as you were his assistant am i right oh.
1: correct yeah. yeah 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 on stardust
0: How was that
1: it was i mean it was amazing um i've never told this story before but i've thought about it a lot he mm-hmm. i got kind of the brief from his office in new york you know he wasn't coming in for that long I think He had like three weeks on the film and the brief was sort of like you know you've got to be really on it in terms of you know, his schedule and, you know, you know, you just got to know everything and look off and and all the rest of it. But the one thing that you have to get right Mm. is his martini. Right. (laughs) You basically, if you (laughs) screw up his martini, you're you're finished. He'll find, you know, he'll find someone else. So I'm like, right. Okay. You know, I've worked in bars my whole, you know, since I was 18. Mm -hmm. You know, I can make, I can make martinis. But yeah. But then I get like the instructions of how to do it. So oh, I'm like, okay. So you know, practice. This isn't really what I got into the film business for, <laughs> but I'll do it. Sure, uh, De Niro. And so I kind of, you know, I'm practicing. I think I've got, I think I've got it. in, you know, Robert Bob, as he likes to be called, arrives. Mm. And you know, we're walking down to set on the first morning, and he kind of turns to me and goes, "I'm not going to do an Impression of Robert Deniro. <laughs> he turns to <laughs> yeah, me. Yeah. <laughs> he turns to me and goes. Oliver do you know how to make a martini and I was like I think so Bob I've been you know I've been practicing anyway he goes okay this is how I like it you gotta freeze the glass you you know three olives a little bit of juice you know ice chips in the guy. it gives me like again reiterates these instructions Mm. and he turns to me and puts this kind of iron grip on my shoulder and just goes Oliver don't fuck it up (laughs)
0: i'm like what
1: uh okay (laughs) okay i'm like hey mr (laughs) de (laughs) Niro like terrified in his trailer (laughs) like shaking the martini trying to like throwing it all over myself trying anyway he he uh i think he enjoyed the martinis
0: well you stayed in the job so you it. i lasted i lasted and um
1: yeah he was he was great i was you know i asked him for advice and stuff and he was Mm -hmm. like don't Fucking ask me for advice. I'm not. I'm not uh, yeah, that's no, not what that's I do. Brilliant. Uh, Thanks, which Rob. I appreciated. You know. Really? And yeah. Mm. Uh, but he was just really. um I mean, it was extraordinary to see his focus, and had the set would just go completely silent whenever he was there. Wow. He was completely on it, or as you would expect. Uh, one of the funniest days was watching him and Ricky Gervais. Right. Uh, Imagine so different because Bob was looking at him, just going like, "Who like who is this man (laughs) who like is forty like take forty and he's still improvising and laughing? Yeah, but you know, you know, normally Bob was like two takes, nailed it, gone. Mm. Uh, And that day, he was like, I I thought he was going to not be that impressed, but they got on like massively, and I think he went on to be an extras. He did, yeah, yeah. as a result of that day. So he, you know, he was he didn't mind. He was just. But that's really cool. But just very cool to see someone, I guess, that focused and, you know, you realise that's what it takes.
0: Yeah. You've um, got to be that high level all the time. Your brain's got to be on it, on it, on it. Yeah. How did you get
1: the job? I'd literally just come off um, Born Ultimatum, was looking for another job so i was right. in kicking around pinewood um and then a lot so, of the crew a lot of the crew went over and, and worked on that so and I think, how did
0: you get born Automatum? Uh, i think, I'm just want to try and get back how did you because people I, will be going wait a minute bit. <laughs> he's just hanging around deniro how do how did you get to that point
1: uh okay so, so i mean i was a i was a runner uh mm-hmm. i worked for sarah Radcliffe coming out of uni okay. um sarah set, uh, co-founded working title with tim bevan and i caught co- i cold called every production company in town right when I, as I was leaving union said can I come and you know back then when you didn't have to pay interns mm-hmm. uh, i went and worked and lived on my credit card for you know right. and then to be actually i shouldn't i said sarah did pay me like okay, that's, like eventually to be fair to her <laughs> here's uh, a martini yeah. <laughs> yeah 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 um but not very much and mm. and um yeah i worked there for 2 years and you know it was that kind of office which sarah is just like fizzing with energy and she's proper indie producer and Mm. um it was just a great training ground because you were thrown in at the deep end taking development meetings Mm -hmm. setting up you know um whatever it took to um you know she expected that of everyone there's only four of us in the office and you basically was sink or swim and um so it was good first. I mean, couldn't have been a better first job, really. That's amazing. And that yeah. was because you
0: just cold-called. Yeah. So I love that. That's just getting off your ass and doing it, which is what I bang on about about this podcast all the time. Yeah. Literally, yeah. if you want to be in the filmmaking industry, just get out there and do it. Yeah. Call
1: people. and then, Email people. And email yeah. Ollie.
0: Do you know what I mean? Be his intern.
1: Right? Yeah, I, like I don't mind if yeah? people call me. Totally, you, come and, you know, um, people will only say no. And generally, people are very nice and mm-hmm. they want to hear. They, you know, someone's enthusiastic like that. Someone's enthusiastic, and yeah, yeah. so yeah.
0: Um, so how, unconditional. Let's talk quickly about unconditional. That was your first feature film that you made.
2: First, yeah, outside of like I did some ninety-minute dramas and things for TV, but first, mm-hmm. yeah, for the cinema type thing.
0: Mm. Um, and how did you get the funding for that?
2: It was uh, it was not easy, and to be honest. We'd already started on the process of um, electricity with the BFI and mm. things, um, but it was that was very slow as films can be. And this script came up from Suki Fisher, who'd written it originally for BBC Films. It's given that the BBC Films at that time their brief was sort of family-oriented. This is not a family film. <laughs> uh, this is—I still really love this film, to be honest. Mm, partly too. because of how we went about it. Yeah. But the film itself is. Unusual, it's a beautiful and again it does come from the heart with Suki Fisher. Um, you know, it's about very briefly sort of two seventeen year old twins, a boy and a girl.
1: Is it still on iPlayer?
2: Um I don't know if it's still it- on iPlayer. We're trying to get it back it, on as a platform because it's come. It, we made it, 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 it six or seven years ago. It's there. Find it. It's a. I can tell yeah, you. It's, transgender. It's, yeah, it's a, yeah, and exactly yeah, the whole no. transgender thing. I'm not saying it was before its time, but it, but, but
0: it was back then. It sort of it was not. It really was an interesting process
2: when we when we started. It went to quite a lot of festivals mm. and to the big um, Frameline Festival in in San Francisco, the sort of very big um, LGBT thing. And it was really interesting to be screening to that audience. 1,500 people, very, very, in a sense, um, devoted to this thing. And they liked it, but didn't quite, we were told by some of the distributors, fit into sort of gay cinema because it's not a comfortable or a happy journey, Mm. perhaps to discovering that you might be gay. Or in the main characters, well, not main, but one of the key characters' cases, he can't accept his sexuality. It's a problem. So the thing becomes a quite... Um, I hope nerve-wracking sort of, and funny, um, psychological piece, you know. Mm. But really, we made it for not much, okay. um, and not many of us, but shooting in the Northeast and working with a couple of wonderful um, DOPs who brought a lot to it. But we were using, back then, relatively new stuff, like we shot with DSLRs. Yes, oh, so it was you, yeah. So yeah, really, yeah, de- yeah, yeah, Not on film. No, That's it's not. Uh, and, and it was because paul comes from um, he's a BAFTA winning uh, documentary cameraman mm. he's known in the business for sort of turning up on into whatever location with the camera in a plastic bag there's no <laughs> what, like yeah, an on, Asda yeah kind of thing because particularly okay. he's made some um, really great documentaries getting into difficult places getting shot at whatever it might be so you know you don't go in and open the big flash cases his mm. whole thing is It's not about renting a big box with an expensive lens. It's some, you know. Although he has got a beautiful eye, um, but yeah, it just it created an energy in the film that I I genuinely believe the process of making a film in a certain way Mm. is. You know, if you if you go too slowly or you're too comfortable, it can just settle down into being a. Uh, sort of ping-pong, normal type of film, mm. it was this thing uh, <laughs> was made at some pace, but with a huge amount of energy. Great actors. And, yeah, I, I, I had to look at it again the other day. It's the first time I've looked at it for probably two or three years. Right. I've never really looked at it. Yeah, you never did. Do so you always see effects no, when you're but this time it, I did, because... Yeah. Um, and I liked it all over again that's in a way. Nice. I think I allowed myself to like it and mm. go, you know what, that's a really, that's actually the type of thing I really like doing.
1: One of the first things Bryn said to me in, in one of our first meetings was, oh yeah, I, I, I'm not remotely phased by, you know, shooting at a music festival because I've shot in war zones. Yeah, there you go. <laughs> you know. And you probably went, yep, okay, I okay. like the sound of that. Yeah, 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 that that works.
0: That really does work. So so you'd suggest for most filmmakers then perhaps a documentary background is a good way into feature films?
2: I think it gives you a certain type of training that's really great. Where mm. A, you can pick up a camera and achieve a beautiful shot. Mm. Yeah, you, you understand. Know, with just three people, if that, on the crew yeah. or just yourself sometimes. And that does convert through to even if you've got a unit of 50, 60, 70 people mm. or whatever – you're not – you know, it can't – that's such a big ship to move around yes. that you can miss – you can see these shots just f- flying by. Yeah. And it, But you know if you say to them, guys, actually not over there, but over here, mm-hmm. it'll all just fall apart. So yeah. it's painful sometimes. Right. But uh, that's why I like – if you can, you work with a second camera there or, you know, mm-hmm. a second unit that's with you quite a lot and you they can do extra things, mm-hmm. a lot of things, that will find their way into a film. Because I think, again, it's nice. And obviously access all areas – we talked a lot beforehand about how trying to make it as an immersive a film as possible, as yeah. to convey, you know, a certain sense of being at a festival. Yes. As much as possible.
0: Which you have done. I mean, right? I mean, it's it's, it's filmed at a festival, filmed at Best of All. Yeah. Which we'll get on to. I, I want to yeah. keep going. So, for, for me, you, Unconditional led to electricity, which you said you were working with BFI at the same time.
2: Yeah, I think what really helped was, though, Unconditional. BFI saw that and they liked it. Yeah, and that so we massively. Sort of then it really went ahead on mm. electricity. And um, we brought, you know, similar disciplines to that, I hope, in the sense, I mean, Agnes. Is a beautiful, natural actor. Um, well, it was her first ever sort of role, right? As far as she'd I know. She's done bits of stuff, okay. But, okay. you know, ranging from Clash of the Titans. To, oh, was she in bits she of that? She was in a bit of that, oh, I think. Okay, okay. But not carried the film.
0: No, and she carried it. She was amazing in it. It was a beautiful film. If you've not seen Electricity, Ghost, see it. It's a really cool film. I think you did wonderfully well directing it. It's so good.
2: Well, it's funny because she yeah i think she she pretty much was that character in lots mm. of ways and of course she had all this experience as a supermodel mm-hmm. uh, you know honestly we sort of cast it partly because she is so charismatic but also because of what she screen tested so authentically she okay. comes from you know um somewhere just outside manchester i can't remember uh-huh, what it's called yeah. and that's what she's kind of like really and she's been through quite a lot by the age of you know, late twenties, she'd, she'd, yeah, she'd really traveling lived around a lot. the
0: world all the time, meeting lots of people. It's yeah. You, you, and you know, up. it's a
2: mad world, the yeah. world of modeling. Uh, and she, and and she was
0: happy to screen test. It wasn't an issue at all.
2: I think we'd kind of pretty much offered to, but she, uh, you know, it, it helped with the financing and with getting the BFI's final sort of approval just mm-hmm. because yes, you're, you're putting it all onto the shoulders of, Uh huh. so she, we just shot two or three scenes. Um, Again, it's a good thing to do, not necessarily... It wasn't a teaser thing. We did a sort of teaser because the film does involve epilepsy as a big aspect of it, and commercially, that's, that's um, people get worried about it. Yeah. So we, we did make a sort of teaser to show, look, this is how cinematic it is, in a sense. Mm-hmm. That's a horrible way to describe it, but it no, sort but of is. Yeah, you know? yeah, yeah. So, it's, I mean, it's hallucinatory, this particular type mm-hmm. that this character has. But just shooting, um, yeah, just three scenes uh, with her and... Fantastic actor, Paul Hilton, who's a good friend and came in and helped. And um, that certainly can be useful that in convincing, you know, mm-hmm. backers, I think, that, look, this is an amazing actress, mm-hmm. amazing presence, let's say. Yeah. Um, and then she just came more prepared uh, than any actor pretty much I've sort of necessarily worked with. She Because she spent oh. six months before not really doing anything else, just getting ready. Mm-hmm. Um, so luckily we didn't change the script too much. Um, <laughs> yeah. Um, oh, by the way, here's the new script. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> no, that's not it anymore. I just learned it. No, she came at yeah. it very personal, very, mm-hmm. um, and her, her ability to summon emotion, things like that. Fantastic. Yeah. Right. So her her basic inner, it's the thing I think with actors, it's about the decisions they're making internally mm. and the thoughts they're thinking because the camera photographs thought. Yes, it does.
3: Yeah,
0: absolutely. So
2: if you think it right, you're there. Yeah
0: yeah and how do you like to work with actors do you do you like to shape a performance do you leave it to them or does it depend on who it
2: is well because we're talking about like filmmaking mm. for me um it's changed a lot when, when i when i remember being at film school and just being really scared of just shy you know and mm. talking to actors and not realizing and also because yeah you had no money and so there was that thing of like you're trying to get actors to do it for not much or whatever it might want nothing mm-hmm. it can be really it puts you in a potentially kind of a difficult embarrassing place. Whereas what I've come to learn is actors just are the most collaborative playmates in a way, (laughs) you know, they, I've I've asked actors to do the most absurd things and they will do it when they really probably should have gone. I don't know about this. Yes. (laughs) (laughs) Why am I doing this or whatever? And you, you have to stop yourself sometimes of going, actually, yeah, I don't know. I don't think you need to sort of walk that way or whatever it is. Yeah, yeah. Um, And now I just, I love it because you, you, talk, you talk psychologically to them and, mm-hmm. that, and then they do that thing of converting wherever this character's at, whatever there's going on in their head, you know, good actors always will go, yeah, I could do that. Yeah. And they mean, I know how to convert that and portray it without necessarily, you know, making a big statement of it or mm-hmm. sort of blaring it out. And that's where it gets really... Wonderful. Then I just, you sit and watch them and go, yeah, you did it. You gave us that thought. Yeah.
0: Just that little thought. Sometimes it's just a seed you give them and they'll, they'll run with it and find them out. You go, yep, that yeah. is. Whereas other times it can be too on the nose. I, I, I had to pull myself back sometimes, right? I got almost like directing by numbers it's not but i said okay try that and on that line and suddenly that you can see them going oh he said on that line to give me this thought or this oh shit no and now it looks like it's staged Mm -hmm. so it's a really fine balance yeah directing to to not be too full on but at the same time to try and shape a performance but actors like you say they're wonderful they can really they take it on they're on screen it's their face at the end of the day it's their their name yeah they don't want to look stupid they want they want to really put it in so that's yeah. their buzz that's what their buzz that's yeah. how they
2: live isn't it, it? Is, you know yeah. really and they and so and they love to obviously work opposite other actors who mm-hmm. are doing the same thing yeah. I think but yeah so I, I tend to try and tell them you know kind of what this is the shot but you've got all this area you can go to if you mm-hmm. want I we sort of thought it'd be good if you might be over here because the light's lovely or whatever you know yeah. and they always sort of know that If but really try to give them that freedom um, there's a my favorite, one of my favorite directors, is Jacques Audiard. You know, mm-hmm. Rust and Bone, yeah. and these things. And there's a brilliant um, making of of Rust and Bone. Oh, is there? Oh, i have well, not seen pretty this, pretty really, one. But it, yeah, it's pretty good because you do okay. see, so you see him, you know, directing these scenes. And and what somewhat reassured me is a, it looked like the sort of film sets I've worked on. Mm-hmm. Yeah, everybody else's is just chaotic too. <laughs> <laughs> but also um, great. he'll be standing there you, you know you see him just chat, talking to Marianne Cotillard in the hospital scene whatever it is he turns around I'm not kidding he just goes action there's no turnover boarding it nothing What? this is the sort of Emphasis he puts on, and that's how he gets what he gets from those from that cast. It's hard on the crew, I'm sure. I was sure.
0: going to say, S- shit, yeah, yeah, yeah. someone turn over. You know, at some point out, in there, I'm you not
2: see, it, they have like a red camera <laughs> yeah. on the floor, and it's literally in a bag of ice. It's just overheating <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah, exactly. because it's on all the time. But that was the earlier red, so I'm sure they're very good now. You say,
1: you say chaos. You're being modest, I think. But you, the thing I noticed about working with Bryn is that is the total confidence and assuredness of the blocking mm-hmm. of the scene. Okay. Which I think gives the actors free, you know, makes them feel relaxed and confident that yeah. the director knows what they want. Mm.
2: You certainly seem to always...
1: Uh, yeah, no no, that way. is true.
2: Yeah, yeah, yeah. I think it's, it's because you want to get into the scene as fast as possible. You can waste so much time on blocking if you're not clear. I always I always have a like a floor plan, not necessarily mm-hmm. a storyboard because I think... A, they take so long to do, but they also do. you always have to vary from. Of course you do. Yeah, not
0: change when you arrive there on the yeah, day? Yeah, exactly.
2: <sighs> oh, the sun's not there, or whatever uh-huh. it might be. But basically, you 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 know you learn the simple craft, don't you? Well, it'd be good to shoot towards the light or across yeah, it, yeah. not with it, and things like that. Mm-hmm. And then you can talk to the actors. But I, again, blocking it with the DOP, rehearsing the scenes with the DOP in the room, mm-hmm. and without you sort of giving all your attention to the actors, but I'll definitely kind of look at the DOP and. You know, we're yeah. all making hands. Yeah, I'm seeing
0: <laughs> that. You can see it too, shot that <laughs> Yeah, yeah, yeah. And He's going, uh-huh, uh-huh.
2: Uh-huh. <laughs> And exactly. And then some DOPs, you know, I, I do like DOP to be a director of photography, like we all, yeah. that they are, it's their photography yeah, in the end. Absolutely. So they might suggest something great. But mm. yeah, I just find that, especially with films like Access All Areas or any, any low, well, it's not a low budget, but any budget, you know, w- schedule tough film. Mm-hmm. You need to get at that scene as fast as possible to have more time with it, I think. Yeah. Um, That's
0: great. And, Ollie, when you were... Because obviously you produced for a, a while now, but when you worked on The Railway Man, you were working with some, some big talent on that. Mm-hmm. And what did you learn making The Railway Man then? Because that, that must have just been like, you know, throwing yourself in the deep <laughs> end and working on something as big as that. And shooting in Australia and...
1: Yeah, I mean... Period piece as well. Yeah, it was... Uh three continents, a big international co production. The you know, one of the the biggest part of my role was putting that together with with Andy and that side of it. And the amazing cast you got. I can't take any credit for that. That was Andy's relationship with Colin from the after the Girl of the Pearl Ring. Um, yeah, which and he then, produced. Which he produced Colin and Firth and and, and um this was a story that was really important to tell, was extraordinary. It was so everybody wanted to do justice to the story. And then it was about finding a way to make it a movie, a compelling story that could exist in, and finding a structure that worked. Mm. You know, it took 14 years from when Bill Kirbishley first optioned the book and brought in Andy as a producing partner, and then I came in later. Mm-hmm. And once, you know, Colin had just done the King's Speech, obviously, so once Colin wanted to do it, it started. the pieces started to move. But even then, you know, it was a $20 million budget. Yeah. Um, it was tough. Uh, we just about had the international sales numbers
0: Wow. And that's with Colin Firth and Nicole Kidman and you're already going, we're struggling, it's yeah. a 20 million pound film and they're still going, the numbers might not
1: Yeah, match. but it, wow. you know, it was tough. It was about torture and, you know, oh, it's not really about that. It's about redemption. as mm-hmm. You know, anyone who's seen the movie knows. Um, but yeah, the subject matter um, caused the problem. But yeah, absolutely. We were right, right up on the edge of what the pre-sale figures would allow and and i don't think we could make it now like the the international sales market really uh which we can get onto or not but the the we andy and i talk about this a lot you you just that market where the film had the value in the important territories like germany and Mm -hmm. the uk and australia and um we didn't sell pre-sell the us but the way that you put those productions together um with the value because of colin and nicole and Mm -hmm. even with those stars now the film's that market is just vanishing before our eyes. So it that's only be... the big problem for that level of, of drama. Um, wow. Thing. So
0: it'd only work if it say Netflix said, right, we'll come in and fund this. Is that that's, that's the way it's moving?
1: It seems to be, um, right. That, 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 you that know,
0: level of budget is just not
1: worth I it. think there were three made in the UK last year, um, uh, 10 million pounds mm-hmm. plus. Um, and, uh, I think it's a problem. It's something we're talking a lot uh, about um, as producers Mm -hmm. uh, and looking for solutions because there is basically a 20% um, gap in those budgets that just cannot be filled by international sales now. Wow. Uh, So, you know, you can make it for... You can try and make it for £6 million, Mm -hmm. um, but does the, you know, with... We talked about the crown earlier, the Mm -hmm. production value, the extraordinary um work that's being done on tv you have to offer cinematic audiences Classic. something better than yeah. than than that we mm-hmm. think um so you know do people want to see the six million pound version of the railway man i don't think they do right um so there is a, a question uh, and a problem that needs to be addressed what do
0: you think what do you think the way forward is at the moment
1: I don't know if I'm allowed to uh, I don't know if well I don't know if this is the right <laughs> forum um, but but we well we can, we, you know you know there you know we think um well there's uh pact and I think the BFI agree uh, that there is scope to create a 40% tax credit in the wow. UK. That would be amazing for films that qualify under very strict criteria mm-hmm. um, that are indigenously British mm-hmm. um and a very at, working title at a certain movies a certain level. Yeah, at a, right. at a certain level. Um, but their films, yeah, they are those. You know, they're not not. We're not talking about the um, you know super high end studio films mm-hmm. that do very well out of the stuff, tax credit sure. here, which is a fantastic success story and in the UK is, and yeah. bring a huge amount of inward investment and do wonderful things for the crew. And mm-hmm. you know, they benefit uh, financially from the from the twenty percent tax credit. It works out twenty percent. Um, now, I don't, you know, I don't think there's any suggestion you should increase the tax credit for them. And it's probably not for the smaller films either, but for that niche, set, for that, you know, yeah. five to 15 million pound film, mm-hmm. which is, um, which is where you can take, which are, you know, specific culturally um, enhancing, mm-hmm. um, where you can take risks um, that audiences want that are original and unique. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, they're vanishing they're vanishing before our eyes and, and it's, you know, we can see what's happening. Everyone can see what's happening in cinemas mm-hmm. and how tough it is to, um, because, you know, most movies don't work. Yeah. And most movies don't find a, cine- a certainly a theatrical audience. No, they don't. And, uh, but, you know, you still need a certain number of films coming through to get, the gems to get the king's speeches to get um these wonderful uh british films that are made at a certain scale that people find in the in the cinema and then go on and launch careers and Mm -hmm. launch amazing companies like seesaw and yes um but without further help i think um those films are gonna they're just not gonna be made unless we go and make films for netflix which we can do because I love making films. We'd love to make films for course, that. Of course, it's a different great. thing, isn't it? But a, I think your we will. Go make it. Yeah. I Crazy. mean, that, you know, we, we can do that, but. I think we all agree that seeing those unique and those uniquely British films in mm-hmm. cinemas is something that has to be... It's what we talked about. ...looked after.
0: We we love going to the cinema and watching these films, these Netflix originals, even though they sort of did it with the Hurricane Heist recently. It came out on Sky rather than Netflix, but it came out the cinema at the same time as on Sky. Mm. We're kind of like, okay, they're trying something new there. I don't know how well it's done in the cinema, but what we were talking about is how great the cinema is and how we enjoy it and how... It, I don't just want to see Marvel movies all the time. Mm. I, I want to see those 15 million pound movies, the ones that are British, they're really with heart. Yeah. So yeah, I do hope that we can, I say we, like I'm going to do something different, but I hope that the BFI, whoever is in doing something can go, do you know what? We, we kind of need to do something now before it's too late. Let's see what happens.
1: Yeah. I mean, otherwise we're going to be making much, much smaller movies, mm-hmm. which, uh, but it's, it's not a business model, even mm-hmm. really wonderful low budget films are not sustaining businesses and yeah. they're not, you know, if, if we all want people Careers. to stick around mm-hmm. in the career, yeah. uh, in the business, people need to get paid. And, and, and that means making films on a bigger scale that are commercially successful, yeah. um, as, as wonderful as the low budget hits on, I would love to have one. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> but you're right.
0: The dispute seem to be taking all the money. It seems to be disappearing over there or yeah. it's American, team comes in fascinating fascinating which leads us on nicely to access all areas uh, and talking about screenwriting and an indie film as well and sort of the the lower budget not lower budget and yeah. the sort of mid budget range so you was it your idea to come access all areas ollie did you sort of go do you know what I, i've got this idea for the film how did it come about
1: yeah so i had a treatment for a film that was based on yeah, my experience is my, principally my experience as a seventeen-year-old. I hitchhiked to a well-known music festival in Somerset. Did you? And jumped the fence. I uh, love that. Back <laughs> back when you could jump the fence. Jump back then. I, yeah. I wouldn't advise trying it now, um, <laughs> and I don't condone it anyway. Um, but, but yeah, you
2: subsequently paid them then? I made
1: a large contribution to Oxfam <laughs> Did you? In, out of guilt.
0: <laughs> I don't know if they gave it to the festival, but yeah. <laughs> no, no. Still, it's, it's a nice thing. We're <laughs> no, doing but, all right, but, that <laughs> festival.
2: Yeah, but yeah, it's one
1: of their, they, a, they're a big Oxfam supporter, aren't they? Yeah. yeah. Um, so that assuaged some of my guilt. But uh, that experience and, you know, over time, over that mm. period, period of time, I went, you know, would go to a lot. A festival was a big part of my life and my friends' lives. And and I had this idea. And at the time, no one had tried it. I mean, a couple of people have tried it now. But Mm -hmm. at the time, no one had tried to make a film at a music festival. And I just, as I kind of my journey into filmmaking went along, as you know, this idea of wouldn't it be very cool to try and do? That was the kind of writing inside of me to try and capture some of that. Magic and the sort of hilarious, you know, they were inevitably sort of hilarious weekends where things would go wrong and mm-hmm. you'd meet new people and meet amazingly beautiful people. Beautiful. And okay, um, yeah. and and then you'd kind of go home to your normal lives and it was trying to capture some of that and that sort of transformative experience. So I had this idea percolating away and then I met, and then Bill Kirbishly and I worked together on The Railway Man. mm mm-hmm. And he, he, I was sitting in his office and we were chatting and he and his daughter, his then fifteen year old daughter, yeah, was on the phone begging him to, to go, go to, 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 to go to her first music festival. Wow. And he was you know, Bill Bill's the manager of The Who and and mm-hmm. Judas Priest and formerly Page Plant and and um, and he was, you know, he's grown up around badly behaved young men. His he whole understands life understands what. Happens and he, at a festival. he's like quite protective, <laughs> mm-hmm. uh, understandably. So he's like, right, you can go to your first music festival, but I'm sending this young man with you. And he picked this kid out of the mailroom, and <laughs> this was, kid went, "Oh my god!" And was like, You're going to take my daughter to a music festival, yeah. and if anything happens to her you'll answer to me jesus now bill is a lovely generous like one of my favorite humans uh, but, get to know? but he's not to be <laughs> trifled with right, so the boy okay. so he goes. so the boy's like oh, okay bill yeah sure I, you no. know uh they so they go off to the festival anyway yeah. the boy's terrified mm-hmm. the girls and girls and her friends are mortified that they're this, stuck, this stuck guy with yeah this kid loser yeah up. yeah anyway they Predictably, they you well, they walk through the gates, and within fifteen minutes, the girls have ditched him. Wow, wow, and he's so, shitting. So, in so, 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 and I think actually, this isn't made up. The next thing anyone saw of their daughter, Bill's wife. Saw her live on the BBC on some <laughs> random bloke's shoulders in the mosh pit watching <laughs> Muse, <laughs> and it's like, oh the, man, you know what's the, so? It's like that's just it. That's just a great setup. It is a great for setup. A movie, and and kind of those two stories converged and developed over time, and mm-hmm. and then obviously um, started talking to Bryn about it, and the script script developed, and kind of access all layers came out of all of that.
0: So it's about teenagers fleeing their parents to go to a music festival which was shot partly at bestival uh and it's do you want to describe any more than that about what it's about or shall i just play the trailer
1: play it
2: you want to hear this so kurt a recluse for
1: 12 years is going to make his grand reappearance at a music festival boom it's
2: him and we're going I booked you a gig. You're a good musician. And anyway, how's your unfriendly girlfriend going? You do not leave this room.
3: Mia! You've run away with Mia. Yeah?
1: We're going to a festival for the weekend. The journey starts here, boys and girls. Find some better clothes.
2: Xavier's band is playing at the festival.
1: Yes, yeah, so I see. <laughs> I've just come here to see someone play. Kurtz! No one actually thinks you'll show.
2: Are they having too much fun for you?
3: Hell is empty and all the devils are here. Come on! You have to be cool in there because that's
1: VIP!
0: What are you doing here again?
1: I came for you. Eat your fear. Eat it. He's here. You want music. You play your own.
0: Nobody wants to hear me play.
1: There it is. I'm like an artist of you, yeah? Yeah! Destiny coming for you, my boy.
0: it's just a gig it's never just a gig mate i mean it's it's really cool i mean such a great idea right so how did you
2: two get connected from that uh actually i think through the line producer wasn't it um the Yeah, wonderful I love that, <laughs> that you both both remembering no, right now going oh. yeah. no, no 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 it was Andy who's a brilliant Australian line producer yeah. um, quite a character in his own right yeah. and um, he mentioned something to me and, I, and then people spoke to people and so forth yeah. yeah and I went to meet these two in Bill's office which is a Quite extraordinary place. It, for me, uh, growing up, the Who uh, were actually yeah. a, quite a big band, That's you cool know, to say Fox. the least. Yeah, you um, like, I don't care if I get the job. I just nice it to was just you, some going it? to the Who's office, yeah, exactly. yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and it is something else. It's mm-hmm. you know, with pictures everywhere and signed and God knows what. So. Yeah. But really, in meeting these two guys, uh, obviously the script itself is comes from a very authentic place. Mm-hmm. As Oliver's talking about, it comes from real, real experience or real uh, knowledge of, of all of this stuff, um, and a very good grounding in drama and the structures of that and things like that. Mm-hmm. Because you know, festivals, whilst enticing and you'd think and definitely cinematic but they're not structured
0: sure this, um, you can't ask people to stay in a certain place you can't no, ask a band and, to play well, and
2: stuff happens crazy stuff but that's not yeah. a story per yeah. se yeah. you yeah. know so, as mm. you start to want a film to sustain and build for 90 minutes or whatever yeah. you need as much story as possible you know but the balance i think was slightly to be struck between that and not and keeping a sense of the chaos that is going to a festival with 26 stages playing at once and you name it, you know, and, yeah. and people pulled all over the place. Yeah. And so, yeah. And for me again, as, as a yeah, 17 year old, it was music and going to see bands was a huge f- release for me from, from home and things. And the energy and so forth um, has always been something that, that I've, I suppose tried to, or stayed close to and things. So mm-hmm. to get to maybe be involved in a film that was about the value of music and festivals as a transformative, you know, um, we talked weirdly as you do. You know, you get a little bit deep about things, to say the least. About it yeah. being the modern pilgrimage, I think, going to festivals for mm-hmm. for young, and now for people even of my generation who are the parents. Mm-hmm. So a film that does both, because yep. there are the parents pursuing the kids, and the parents rediscover or you know are, are set free by the festival and. As much as the kids, in a sense, um, and then and that brings them together as as father and daughter or whatever it is yeah. uh, in a wonderful way. And
0: you've got an amazing cast in it as well. Great right? cast. You've got uh, well Jordan Stevens, it's brilliant. You have got Phil Daniels, um, of course. Yeah,
2: uh, Ella Purnell. Ella Purnell. Of um, course, she's doing really well. Um, Ed Blumel, we pretty much well we gave him his first job out of um, you know drama school, and because mm-hmm. he's a wonderful natural, I think really going to be something ed um so yeah it was lovely mm. to, to to cast the film and again this is the thing isn't it? if you haven't got huge bucks it's great to have a young cast because you're never going to have famous people you don't have to kind it's really about finding distinctive mm-hmm. and bill talked about quadrophenia the original movie none of those guys were named yeah, at all, look what they right? became oh, you know yeah. it's yeah. fascinating. It is fascinating brilliant cast um then trying to control a young cast is always fun <laughs> and then expose them Especially to a real festival. festival so let's yeah. talk about that how
0: did you That's get it. to film at a festival how did it happen filming at festival
1: we uh again i just got in touch with
0: just climbed over the fence with yeah the
1: camera. yeah well i've been i had been and paid to go uh, right. a, a few times i love times. your
0: guilt here it's huge isn't yeah, it yeah, it's yeah. Really you can let it go now it's, yeah
1: paid your dues definitely have you've I'm done good. penance i'm good i'm good um yeah, just we got in touch with uh, Rob, DeBank, um, mm-hmm. and Ben, um, who his partner um, and Josie, who who is Rob's wife, who founded Best of All, okay, and curates it, and Josie designs it, and Rob does the um, does the music largely, and yeah, we got in touch with them and pitched it to it, pitched it to them, and they were yeah really into it, so it was it was uh, that bit was amazingly straightforward. That, that was the uh, that, it, yeah. that was the only bit that was straightforward. Okay. What were the um, hardships
0: then? What was go well, on?
1: <laughs> well, it's just um the fact you, there are lots, but you can't really recce anywhere, um mm. and uh know what it's actually gonna be like when you turn up and shoot there. You have no control. Um You know, you have to let go of that sort of filmmaker's need to control everything from, you know, what's right there, you know, and (laughs) Bryn would say to me, so this carnival, this live carnival that we're shooting in, this is going to be at this point at this moment in time, and I'm going to be able to shoot there, right? And I'd be like, I think so. (laughs) Because I didn't know for sure, and and because right. you'd, you'd be working off information that was changing all the time, and the festival mm-hmm. was this sort of organic, moving, of breathing, living thing. Yeah. Um, which you know, we turn up and shoot. We had one of the one of the crowd scenes we had to shoot. We obviously needed a big crowd at the main stage, yeah. Um, and we got given some slots by the festival that we could shoot there. Mm-hmm. And we turned up, and the band that was going on after us had missed their plane or their ferry to the isle of Wight, Uh so they didn't show up but there was no band so there was no crowd so it's like uh well we can't shoot this scene then shit and it's you know how quickly can you then adapt Mm -hmm. so
0: what did you do did you find another area or did you wait
2: no that one we did shift and you know again you have to cut and run and go like this isn't going to work let's go see that scene that was due to be shot tomorrow whatever Mm -hmm. we, we move somewhere else so i think i mean i i really did i wasn't that worried about taking you know a a unit in um because uh because i just somehow felt it would be all right um because there's a certain structure but i think i was i was taken by surprise that there's a really big difference between um the the necessities let's say of a filmmaking enterprise and a festival the festival is way more um sort of circus like to me. Or I don't know, it's literally <laughs> not there the night before almost that mm. it opens. I, I just had no, I thought, oh they'll have the tents up the main stage, the yes. whole thing, we can block where we're gonna do stuff. Nah. You are literally standing in a field. We arrived two days before, I think, just wow. so we had one day. Wow. we had to pre-shoot a few things. And we're kind of going, right, the main stage is going to, just imagine, <laughs> over there mm. is a big thing. Right. I mean, they put it up so fast. It's amazing. It's um, so fun. that that sort of somewhat ad hoc thing. But luckily, we did have a wonderful and quite an experienced crew. How many crew did you take?
1: Well, uh, it's interesting. I had this, when we first started talking about it, I mm. thought, yeah, we'll go in like 10 of us. Yeah, just like nice really, small you yeah, know, yeah, just really, you know, really, you know, no one will notice it. <laughs> yeah, that's, look, oh, on one day bros. I was looking down <laughs> and he's like. 50 crew in high wow. vis, like oh,
0: in high vis as well, you know. Yeah, we, yeah, we sort yeah. of had to, had to. Yeah, it had to be in, you know. People and... asking you where the toilets are, totally,
1: yeah. absolutely. Yeah. And I could see them because they're all dancing up and down, yeah. in the, <laughs> apart from the steady cam operators, so. yeah, exactly. Yeah.
2: people <laughs> coming How but... do I get out? Yeah, i good. like, Well, you go, mate. go that a mile that way, yeah.
1: <laughs> but yeah. I tell you, I learned about the power of the
2: high vis, yeah. No, it's still yeah. good, isn't it? Yeah, yeah. you were a high
1: vis, es- especially when you know, kids have.
2: Well we yeah, had our yeah, own yeah. purple high vis as well, yeah. as opposed oh, to the yellow or the orange. Yeah, special. And it was like, Oh man, you're the secret police. <laughs> yes. yeah. Yeah. I had one
1: one guy just came up to us and said, <laughs> said, I just want to say thanks for looking after us.
2: <laughs> totally off his head. I said,
1: yeah. You're welcome.
0: You're welcome. Yeah, yeah exactly. <laughs> Put some money towards Oxfam <laughs> <laughs> But it
2: was I mean there's a scene in the film where Jordan Stevens gets lifted out lifted out of the crowd on the mm-hmm. you know, by the acrobat thing and we had to shoot that yeah. at two o'clock in the morning mm-hmm. live. One-shot deal, really. And no, but we, you know, despite experience and people talking about how can we talk, because the noise level is so high. Of course. We talked yeah. about helicopter, radio, comm systems, all of it, and it mm. all just went out the window and became yeah. frantic hand-waving and ended up queuing, in a sense, when to turn over, when to do it off, when you hear this song. Mm. Really? Yeah, we managed to arrange that with Rob, with, yeah. with Rob, Curing was DJ. the aerialist. The de- serious? It was
1: actually the song that the DJ played in this, in their set. Was everybody's cue for the cameras to roll for Jordan to perform? No way, and it all happened live. Yeah, it was, oh, yeah. wow, it was.
2: And to the stress- last second, when that is I things bet. like they just say, Look, if it, if the acrobat can't, if the, cl- train, dr- uh, the, the crane crane train driver can't, can't, can't see where he's going to put the person, they'll just they won't do it. Yeah. So, great, okay, we'll run five cameras, then here we go. What, what would have happened if? that hadn't
0: worked out what would what did you have a backup plan did you sort of go no
1: not really uh just just get it exactly just get it get get it it i think i kind of kidded myself that we could do it the following night but that was it you know that was that was really the moment so there was it was kind of it there was a lot of that um had you scripted pretty much everything and well i was going to say yeah the 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 production draft of that um changed quite a lot as the realities of shooting there became apparent a lot got stripped out Mm -hmm. uh of of the first you realize what you can do in three days is limited you know we didn't want to run around we know certainly not you know try and just shoot on the fly that wasn't the approach Mm -hmm. ever um so we pulled a lot out of the festival um the whole mum and dad storyline yeah that a, a lot more of that used to happen within the festival walls. I see. And that got stripped out to mm-hmm. basically to give us control so we could shoot on other days, at other times in different locations. Um, and I think one of the big production successes um, that Bryn pulled off with Murray McKeon, our production designer and, and the director of photography is you, I, I don't think you ever really know what was shot at festival and what was shot on our set in, in Bristol. You know, for sure, you because don't. the yeah. the you know we didn't have big we didn't have the money for big extras days, so we couldn't really populate. We could we couldn't really populate mm-hmm. our set in Bristol, and yet, you know, you don't really know. I think when you leave festival, so you know, we shot for four weeks in a field in Bristol, right. um, but you think you're still at the festival.
0: That's incredible. Wow.
2: Yeah, I mean, Never. CGI again. We we did with the second unit shooting, sort of getting plate shots and things so we can put that into the background but I, I, I agree i'm really pleased with that the you don't really know um and we you know filmmaker wise we chose um to to shoot with um really nice lenses and stuff um the mm. cooks and stuff so it gave it all a look and it all had that widescreen kind of quality mm. that was really helped to just all bind it together. It does look know. stunning. It does yeah. really look mm. nice. It's it only Slater Ling, beautiful DOP. Beautiful. So, yeah. Yeah, it's
0: high end. It's gorgeous. It's. How did you manage to, like you say, control the crowd? Sometimes, like if, it, was sometimes people, the, I'm not saying extras, but the guys who were actually there at the festival, were they? Did they play up? Obviously, because they see a yeah. camera. Well, looking I mean, they, in it,
1: we did. Okay, <laughs> I mean, forgive me for if it sounds name dropper, but we did the same thing on the Born Ultimatum. at... Mm-hmm. at at Waterloo when that... Mm. See- I don't know whether you remember that Of see- course I remember that wonderful
3: because
0: yeah. see- Matt Damon's walking yeah, so through. That was,
1: and- so that was a day... It was basically 20, 20 extras inside a rope. We literally had a rope yep. and moving around through the crowd. So you're blocking off the nearest eye lines to the camera, preventing people from looking straight down the lens. Got you. And that's about as many extras as we ever had on any one day. And you're, so you're basically creating a field around, around the camera it. and you're moving within... I see. so you don't control you can't you know you, you, Yeah. you people are there to enjoy the festival first so we can't like mm. you can't like block off roads and go sorry guys we're shooting a yeah, movie you can't it, come through here because right, yeah. people really don't like well, that they, 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 they don't like they don't care certainly don't and, care about and, your film and, and, and they don't no exactly
2: so yeah. there's a lot of outtakes a huge reel there's a long stuff long reel of outtakes do do things do, that's right. kind of funny but yeah you it, just have to it's a little bit of the documentary thing you just remind yourself this is not our festival it's their festival yeah which is why when we shot the scene at the toilets we ended up with that scene being a couple of i mean one we were designated a toilet to to be using and um that was one of our yeah. Like the door Did we didn't need open. to shoot that one? At well, the we festival? just picked it week's said, Oh yeah, you have to shoot the outside because there's a line of fifty toilets and all we like, that. We just yeah, have to pick, pick the the a toilet which two people were having sex in. Right, right. Yeah. And so you know that was it. Oh, well, let's move to another one then. Kind of thing. Yeah. There was but kind of the witching still...
1: hour between like six, seven p.m. where people right. were kind of charging back from the campsite, uh-huh. excited, shall we say, mm-hmm. Um, where. You know, our actors and cameras just got jumped on, um, and then. But once night fell, we could move pretty easily around, and people okay. kind of, we'll just. Sort that was
2: of, the only time I, I did feel slightly was we were shooting, and Boy Better Know came on, yeah. and um, we were by the by the mixing desks and everything, and just got complete track because kind of come they come over the hill, literally. <laughs> literally You're in a bowl as the main stage is in front of you. Yeah. You look out, and they, just, as soon as they started, like. It was like, you know, the living dead, thousands of blokes.
0: Build just it and they will come type, type moment. Yeah, and it yeah.
2: just ran like, ah. <laughs> <laughs> and it was really. Brave <laughs> I was Good gig. We all had to stop, basically. Really? <laughs> it was yeah. impossible. Listen to that. I've never yeah. had my insides readjusted by the bass like that. Wow. It was amazing.
0: How did you work out sound then? Because that's obviously an issue, recording sound. There's a lot of ADR. Yeah.
2: Yeah. Okay. Guide track was yep. okay and helped. I don't think we used any in the end, but. Yeah. But in a weird way, recreating the sound of the festival through all of that was, um, you know, a big part for the sound job. And mm-hmm. um, Nigel did a beautiful job on getting that. You know, the way you get the reverberation sound, the feeling. Yeah, yeah. Yes.
0: Yeah, because it always sounds like it's echoing. Or yeah, do, 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 you can hear yeah. that in a different place. Yeah. So
2: it was a. Big sound job, wonderful, something like 35 tracks, all that to play. With yeah,
0: and game. and you got some great artists, music-wise, working on that. Did Was that planned beforehand? Because obviously you're there at the festival recording yeah. live, so therefore you're listening to sounds in the background of Boy Better Known, for example, yeah. but you can't necessarily use
1: that. You mm. definitely can't use them. And as we discovered, <laughs> th- like, yeah, we'll give you an un- unnamed band. We'll give you permission to shoot. That's cool. That's cool, yeah. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, uh, but then we want approval of like what you've shot. And right. any anyone will tell he's made anything. You can't shoot something and then risk of it course. not being approved. So you yeah, that was that was totally un unworkable. But it was an interesting um
2: It's a very hard part of the process. Education
1: in like um yep. clearing all that. I can imagine
0: because you had Underworld. Is is you've got Future Islands, obviously the Who, uh, Duke Dumont. Some amazing, uh, yeah, artists. The the
1: the the soundtrack is outrageous, absolutely incredible. We had Universal Music came on uh, very early. They were uh, early supporters, and then um, Rob DeBank and his and Simon Astle at at Earworm were our music supervisors, Um, and they did. A phenomenal job of clearing all that yeah. music. We would kind of create these wish lists um, it's, it's, of, of music we wanted to use mm-hmm. and and different uh, genres. That so it kind of felt like a you know your dream festival lineup. F- yeah, you know. F- yeah. Uh, So So that was that was definitely really good. Then, in terms of
0: distribution side of it, obviously the posters are everywhere in London right now. Yeah. Um, How did you go about? Did you get distribution beforehand? Did you know how you were going to get people to see it?
1: Yes, it was all a carefully uh, worked (laughs) plan. There were fans of it, you know, in the UK right from the start. But everybody wants to see, you know, at that footage, at that budget level, everyone wants to see it. Mm-hmm. You know, um, pre-selling a film is getting harder and harder. So, you know, we got the I get Edinburgh, the Edinburgh Festival premiere was definitely a great platform, mm-hmm. and really where our and then Am- and that was really where our deal with Amazon came about came, came about, and it sort of all came about at the same time actually but certainly the fact that it started to get to have um fest, a festival platform and then um once you know chris bird uh was a big fan of the uh from amazon was a big fan of the film from the start and they yeah they came in and bought it
0: great so where, where's best play for people to watch it now obviously amazon but uh
1: <laughs> yeah well, it was now it's on amazon um yeah. and we've just gone out uh wider on all your favourite digital platforms, so you can see it now. Also on iTunes and Google Play, Xbox, PlayStation, Sky Store. Um, so love it. It's 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 a great watch. And as summer finally arrives, <laughs> it's- it is, is a good way to get in the mood for. a... For uh, yeah, going a out to the festival, mate. Yeah, it's yeah, a really
0: yeah. good time, and it's a it's a great film. Well done, guys. It's but, been an absolute thanks, pleasure having you both pleasure here. So. Oh, it's it's been, been really fun. Um, where can people find you on social media so they can follow you and follow your journey? Do either you guys do social media? Or is this where you're at?
1: Yeah, I do. I'm at Oliver Vizi on yep. on Twitter. Um, I've got a, a very very large following. Uh, of... <laughs> So you all know, those festival
0: I'm, fans followed, yeah, you. Yeah, yeah, think, yeah,
1: yeah. But I heard everyone buys their followers. But I'm keeping it real on. No, on no, seventy nine followers. Seventy
0: nine. Yeah. Well, um, j- after so, this, you'll get a, you'll
1: get three more.
0: <laughs> <laughs>
1: uh, but more importantly, follow the film at AAA the film. AAA the film. Yeah, yeah, follow yeah.
2: that. Yeah, definitely. Um, Bryn. Um, No, I'm available through Curtis Brown. (laughs) (laughs) But uh, no, I don't have a uh, social media presence. I I don't know. Personally, I'm spending a lot of time working on things at the moment. So, Yeah. yeah. Fair enough.
0: That's all good. Um, You can follow us at FilmmakersPod. Remember to get your shout outs to us there or at me at Giles Alderson. The show is out next Tuesday. As always, we're out Tuesdays. As always, we will see you then for now. Thank you very much, Oliver VC. Thank you. Thank you very much, Bryn. We really appreciate both being here.
1: Pleasure. Good to be here. Bye.
0: (laughs) Bye bye.